All right, if the ushers would bring in the power tools now for the installation, and uh, we'll get to that in just a little bit. We are here today because so many people made good choices. Often when I come to Marysville, I, I do as I did this morning, and I drive down Allen Street and park in front of 23 Allen Street, where my grandparents lived, and uh, just remember, remember the, the, very, the very rich spiritual heritage that God has not only given to me, but God has given to so many of us who are gathered here today when we think about the generations and generations of people. Um, I have family members like many of you who are buried out here. They're not there anymore. We know that's not true. They're celebrating their eternal reward waiting for us. But we're here today because they made good choices. And today I want to talk to you about doing what your mama says and making good choices. <laughs> and Ruthie, I just, uh, I was really uh, moved um, in thinking about you. Uh, I was going to say as a microcosm, that doesn't sound very flattering, but thinking of you as as someone very specific who has influenced my life and my family. And when you were going to school in Halifax, you taught my wife in Sunday school at Hillside. Here you are, you know, after a few years more than some of us, um, just staying with mission and influencing the next generations and I just want to thank you for making good choices. Yeah. yeah. And my mother isn't here, but many of you know my mother, so you will uh, be sure to tell her if I misrepresent motherhood. So, <laughs> but I do know that that's what moms love to say, make good choices. And today I want to talk to you about the choices of a kingdom chariot chaser. Uh, this is an important day for you, Pastor John, and we honor you and Kelsey, and we celebrate you after nearly a nearly three-and-a-half-year journey uh, that we have taken as a church family, and it is going to be an exciting conclusion to our service, but before we get there, uh, there's a couple things I want to remind us of as we are on mission together. Amen? Our choices are simply this, to be attentive to the right priorities and to be available to the right places. Would you stand as I read uh, this passage from Acts chapter eight? Familiar passage for many of us about uh, Philip 
and the Ethiopian eunuch. And with that, the apostles were on their way, continuing to witness and spread the message of God's salvation, preaching in every Samaritan town that they passed through on their return to Jerusalem. Later, God's angel spoke to Philip, at noon today, I want you to walk over to that desolate road that goes from Jerusalem down to Gaza. He got up and went. He met an Ethiopian eunuch coming down the road. The eunuch had been on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem and was returning to Ethiopia where he was minister in charge of all the finances of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. Now I'll just insert here, uh, my wife and I have three daughters. I live in a girl's dorm and this man actually knew not only how many pairs of shoes that Candace, the queen of Ethiopians, owned, but how much she had spent on those shoes. And I, I, I can't wait. One of those little lesser questions that I have on my bucket list to ask when I get to heaven is to track down this Ethiopian eunuch and find out just how much did Candace spend on shoes. Anyway, he was riding in a chariot and reading the prophet Isaiah. The spirit told Philip, climb into the chariot and running up alongside Philip heard the eunuch reading Isaiah and asked, do you understand what you're reading? God, I love this church. I love everything that this morning represents in the transitions of leadership and in the, and in the passing on of heritage. And I just want to honor those who are here today who have seen so many changes in the church and, and have embraced them and have loved the younger generations and been willing to adapt and make changes that weren't in accordance with their preferences because they wanted to see the good choices made that would result in changed lives. And I just thank you for that spirit, that culture that, that rests so richly in the heart of this great church. Lord, I thank you for this exciting day for Pastor John and Kelsey and for the pastoral staff and for this congregation. And I just ask, Lord, that each one of us will leave today knowing that we are all on mission together. And so we commit to that as we look to the example of the Apostle Philip in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. You know, Philip was a, uh, he was a kingdom chariot chaser. And uh, one of the things I love about this story, because, uh, you know, sometimes us preacher types, we, we, you know, sort of, you know, give that, that, that message that, well, you know, somebody wasn't really doing the right thing. They, they were kind of distracted with lesser things. And, and then God got a hold of them. And boom, here's the plan that emerged. By the way, you're a fantastic drummer. Sorry, I have a little ADHD, but uh, oh my goodness. Watching you worship while you, while you participated, that was amazing. So, and, uh, and lovely to, to meet you. Look forward to having lunch with you. And you know what they say, behind every great man is a surprised woman. So uh, yeah, congratulations on that. Um, Sorry, I'm, a, I'm an ENFP if you're a Myers-Briggs guy, and we are easily distracted. But uh, here's, here's the thing about this story that I think is so uh, uh, captivating, and I think is really important as we look at the hermeneutic of this passage and we understand the context of what it was that God called Philip to do. 
Where was he when he woke up that morning? It's not a trick question. It's right there in the passage. Where was he? Anybody want to guess? It wasn't Jerusalem. It wasn't the desolate road in Gaza. Where was he? He was in Samaria. Now, here's the, here's the amazing thing to me about this story. Acts 1.8 says, but you'll receive power and you will be my witnesses where? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The day that Philip experienced this was a day that he woke up and he could not have been more smack dab in the center of God's will for his life. He was not drifting. He was not in disobedience. He was not distracted. He was actually fulfilling what often we in the church refer to metaphorically as the quadrants of missional mandate. Our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria, the ends of the earth. And we, we sort of contextualize that. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's very appropriate for us to do that as churches. But understand, Philip was actually living out the very command of Christ, literally, in Samaria when he woke up that, that morning. And I have uh, an imagination that uh, often does not serve me well, but, uh, but I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, you know, like, imagine on that day, like, maybe he had, like, a big revival service planned, and he actually had the woman at the well to give her testimony before he preached. Like, can you imagine getting to preach after she gives her testimony? Like, like he, had, he had it going on. Like, he was smack dab in the middle of what God wanted to do by the power of his spirit through his people. But he made a choice. He made a choice. And I believe these two choices set an example for us through the life of Philip in the kind of church that Marysville Reformed Baptist, Olivet, Cross Point, and whatever else some young preacher thinks it'll be cool to call it in a few years from now. <laughs> the important thing is not the name that's out on the front of this church, although that's a wonderful name and it points people to the cross, amen? But the important thing is, are we going to be a people as we follow this pastor and as we continue the great heritage of this church? Are we going to be a people who will make good choices and be attentive and then be available? First of all, he was, he was attentive. He listened and, and it, it gave him the right priorities. Look at verse 26 and verse 29. It says, God's angel spoke. The Spirit told Philip. You see, Philip was abiding in the vine. And he didn't argue with God about the great day he had planned in Samaria. He was abiding in the vine and he was attentive. And because he was listening to God, it resulted in a change of his priorities. So let me ask you, when's the last time you did that? When's the last time? Now, I know one of the great things about the heritage of this church uh, that has been true and is true and will continue to be is, is how much you engage in the ends of the earth ministry. And so I've kind of pulled on some of my experiences 
with the global church just to stoke those fires in your heart today. In particular, Mozambique, and I've got a couple of stories from there today because I know that's very near and dear to your hearts as a church family. But we're going to start out in the country of Suriname. There's a pastor there by the name of, of Sister Mari. And uh, she has a full-time job, pastors a church on the weekends. That's kind of a good idea, actually. I, I, don't, I don't know if I like that so much because that would you know, mean tough things for preachers in this neck of the woods, but that's what they do there. And um, uh, she was pastoring this church in the capital city of Paramaribo and a uh, Wesleyan church. And a house that was for sale next door uh, was purchased by a, a shaman priest, a witch doctor. And every time the church would meet, uh, this, this priest would, would uh, turn his loudspeakers toward the church and he would uh, shout curses and play loud music. And, and it was very distracting, very dis, uh, demoralizing for the church family. And, and she was praying one day and she felt God say, listen, I am calling you to this. I'm calling you as a church just to pray until I do something. And so she called the church together and every night after work and on the weekends, they would gather and they would pray for some time and they would go home and week one, week two passed. And, and this individual continued to, to literally cast spiritual warfare against the church until finally about three weeks in, they were in the middle of praying and the music stopped. And they didn't know what happened. And the next day, that next morning, Sister Mari found out that this man who they had been praying would come to Christ, that this man who, that they would have been praying would, would experience the freedom and, and turn from, from his dark ways to following the light. And he had died of a heart attack in the middle of their prayers. Now, first of all, I just want to be really clear on my theology with this story. I'm not suggesting that if you live next to someone who plays music that you do not like, <laughs> that you should pray for them until they have a heart attack and die. So don't, don't take that out of the story. But you see, Sister Mari was attentive in a way that changed her priorities in how to deal with that situation. I love what uh, Zambian church planner Jim Machuku says, he says, faith doesn't make things easy. It just makes them possible. And that's who God calls us to be. Uh, Philip was a, a kingdom chariot chaser. And, and, and we see in the second choice that he made that he, he wasn't just attentive. He chose to be available. It changed his place. Because he was attentive to a change of priority, he had the choice to be available to a change of place. Verse 27, he got up and went. He actually left this hotbed of ministry that was so exciting and reaping results and the fulfillment of Christ's very words of prophecy for the, for the earliest days of the church. And he went on what could arguably be called the first short-term missions trip <laughs> And, and he went to this desolate road, not knowing what was going to happen. So do you know how you can tell if you're a kingdom chariot chaser? 
Because there are days when you find yourself in places you did not choose to go on your own. There are days when you find yourself in, in desolate, hard places because God has laid on your heart to be part of his plan to reach lost people for him. I'll tell you a quick story about one of my favorite pastors, Wesleyan pastors in Mozambique. And I know many of you have, have been to that country and have helped in the building of, of our Bible college there. And one of the Bible college gra graduates by the name of Dioli um, graduated and went up into one of the northern provinces of Mozambique. And it was right on the border of a province called Nampula. And uh, there were several new churches that had been planted because of the Jesus Film team. And he, was, he had been sent up to disciple and pastor those churches. But he, he just kept, because he was attentive, he kept sensing that God was telling him to go into Nampula. And, and people there said, look, it's, it's a very hard area. Uh, the, people are, are, are very committed to other religions, and Christianity has never really been able to spread there significantly. It's kind of like they pointed at this, this big cliff, this granite rock face, and said, that's what their hearts are like. Their hearts are, are hard like that, and you need to stay here, and this is where the ground is fertile. But he just couldn't get away from it. He sensed God calling him to go, and so he went, and he started going from village to village, but people just turned him away. Their hearts were hard, just like he had been told. Until as he walked down a path, he, he finally said to God, God, you got to do something here. Maybe I misheard you. And he felt God saying to him, the next person you see, I want you to tell about me. He's like, all right. And so he, he saw this man in the distance who was, who was laying down on the side of the path. And he had, he had been cutting these reeds. And he had a big, shiny, sharp machete. And he was a little tipsy. Uh, as he got closer, he could tell. And he thought, God, you must be talking about somebody else. I'm not sure I want to, in a hostile area, uh, go to someone who's a little inebriated with a big, large, sharp, shiny object and, uh, and try to tell him about things that everybody around here seems to think they don't want to hear about. But God pressed his heart and he went. And here's, here's the, the fast version of the story. This, I've met some of these people. This is an incredible story. But this man came to Christ that day. And, and in ways that sometimes happen, but not often, God miraculously healed him uh, of his alcoholism. And he was so excited that he rushed back to his village and he drugged Dioli with him. And, and the village couldn't believe the change they saw in him. And, and fast forward five years later, the national superintendent of Mozambique flew up to Nampula to install Dioli as the district superintendent of 33 churches in Nampula. Absolutely incredible. Amen. It was incredible. You see, he, he was available in a way that resulted in a change of place. He got up and he went. It was Robert Shannon who said, never pity missionaries, envy them. They are where the real action is, where life and death, sin and grace, heaven and hell converge. But I'm not just talking about people in Africa. 
I've said many kind words uh, about your vice chair, Tim Henry, in this place. And uh, Tim, I'm going to keep it short today, so you're, you're good. Yeah, he's, he's saying a loud amen to that. And you have, have shown him and the board and your pastoral team through these transition years the esteem that they deserve. And we're going to have a big party at Brad and Becky's today and celebrate this finish line for our church. So, uh, But, but uh, one of the things you may not know about Tim is that he was elected by our district conference to go as a delegate to our general conference, which happened in St. Louis this week. And so Tim and I were, were uh, together serving our church, voting on many things, enjoying barbecue and the meals in between and all that good stuff. But there was, uh, there was a testimony time in, in one of the caucus sessions, and I'm not going to tell that testimony, Tim, don't worry about it. There was one that was a little memorable, but we won't go there. Uh, but, but the same gentleman that, that told this other testimony told a brief one where he, his name is uh, Ariel Garcia. And he said, I just feel that I need to tell you this story, and it's not going to make me look good, but I want to tell this story. And he said, he said uh, some time ago, he said, I was traveling, and I had a suit bag with me. And uh, he was a, a layperson in one of the churches uh, from the Chesapeake district. And he said, I had a suit bag with me, and God told me that someone was going to pick up the suit bag when I laid it down, and that when they did mistakenly, that when they did, that I was to share Jesus with them. And he said, I wasn't in the mood to talk about Jesus, so I held my suit bag really tight as I was traveling. And then eventually I forgot about it and I laid it down and someone picked it up. And they went, oh, this isn't mine. And they gave it back to me. And he said, I didn't tell them about Jesus. And he shared how God has worked on his own heart because of that experience and his regret over that. And how he's continued to pray for that person and, and hopes and believes that God has opened a door for someone who could be obedient in that. You see, Philip was a kingdom chariot chaser because he, he chose to be attentive and available. And his attentiveness changed his priority. And his availability changed his place. And, and those two choices that we see in Philip as a kingdom chariot chaser, those two choices are no different for us today. Absolutely no different. As God has raised up a new leader for this next chapter in our church, every single one of us are called to make those choices because ultimately when we do that, it opens the door for God by the power of his Holy Spirit to change people's lives. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up and we're going to conclude here in a moment and then we're going to sing and then um, there's going to be an opportunity uh, for us to share and celebrate what God has provided, who God has provided for us. Um, Another story from Mozambique for you folks. Uh, and I'll just read this. Uh, a few years ago, one of our, our missionaries heard this testimony at a national conference in Mozambique. One man shared his recent testimony of how he was demon-possessed and his village had him bound in stocks uh, around his ankles for so long because he was dangerous, nothing else could contain him and, and the flesh had worn down where the stocks were. 
And his brother took him to the Jesus film team to be prayed over, and God drove out the demons. And as the team was praying, they watched the flesh grow back on his legs. And this man then went back to his village where the Jesus film was shown, and the people could not believe what had happened to him. And, and they watched the film, and, and they saw Jesus do in the film what had he had experienced in his life in being freed from demons and physically healed. And, 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 and many, most of the village came to Christ in one night. And, and now the man, as he's giving this testimony, said that man became the pastor of the new church in that village. And he said, I know that's true because I am that man. Absolutely incredible. Incredible. You see, Philip's action resulted in a changed life. Jesus never said it would be easy. He did promise that we would receive power from the Holy Spirit to be his witnesses. And so that's who God calls us to be. And so here's my challenge for you. Think of someone. And as we sing this song, I want you to think of someone. Who, who in your life is in a chariot in your circle of influence? Who in your life is someone that you can run up along beside? And, and simply, did you catch the technique that Philip used? He listened to the questions that he was asking. So you don't have to come with a script. All you have to do is enter into the questions people are already asking about anything. And it builds relationship that leads ultimately to an opportunity to share Christ. It was Eric Little, the well-known missionary of China, whose story, of course, was made famous by the movie Chariots of Fire. And, and he said this famously. He said, we are all missionaries. Wherever we go, we either bring people near to Christ or we repel them from Christ. You see, everybody wants their kingdom role and influence to look like Samaria. But what if God is calling you to a desolate road. So remember what your mama says and make good choices. Be attentive, be available, and let God do the rest. Please stand. You may be seated, folks. You are so blessed with those who lead you in worship, amen? amen. And uh, I love the, the words of, of one of the earlier choruses of this service. Chains be broken, lives be healed, eyes be opened, Christ is revealed. And uh, boy, that's what we need in our lives, and that's who God needs us to be as kingdom chariot chasers for others. So, uh, folks, you are free to head on down. Thank you so much. And I'm going to invite Pastor John and Kelsey, because she loves to be the center of attention. She is so excited about this. Did you have your speech ready, Kelsey? Yeah, so. Oh, you did. Oh, okay, we'll, surpri we'll surprise her when she gets up here. Come on up, because, John, you look way better when she's... Why don't you guys just come right up here, because... They, they, this is not like you're not like at the end of the altar renewing your vows or anything. Not that that's a bad thing. So, uh, but, uh, wow. Uh, you know, it's entirely up to you, whatever you think, whatever you think. So I think she just wants us to stop talking about her. I think that's mainly. <laughs> oh, boy, here we go. We are both in so much trouble. All right. Well, folks, uh, for those of you who may be a little newer to uh, the Wesleyan Church, here's the great news. Did you know this? And, and look, if this is being live streamed, can we just cut that off for a second? Like, there are not going to be any Wesleyans in heaven. Not a single one. 
There aren't going to be any Baptists in heaven. There aren't going to be any Pentecostals in heaven. There's only going to be sons and daughters of God in heaven. Amen? Amen? And, but but here's, the, here's the great news. Here's the great news. God has, just like Israel, had tribes. God has raised up tribes in the family of faith. Different denominational structures under whom we find ourselves accountable spiritually, accountable for the exercise of spiritual authority as leaders and many, many other good things. And I was born into the Wesleyan Church and am a product of the Wesleyan Church and was baptized in this church. And this is an amazing church that I share incredible history in. And, and this is a very, very special day for me as a product of this church to be the one to install your next pastor. And, and in our in our little tribe, we are not Episcopal like the Salvation Army where the people at the top make all the decisions and everybody just does as they're told. We are not congregational where everybody votes on everything and if you want to change the color of the bathroom, you have to vote on it. And uh, now, now, again, I'm not poo-pooing any style of governance because God works through all of them and carnal selfish hearts can be problematic in any governance style too. So there is no one right way. But in our system, I'm kind of partial to it because we're kind of in the middle. We're not, we're not Episcopal, we're not congregational, we're what's technically called modified congregational or a representative form of governance where, where we elect our leaders and then we give them a lot of authority not an unlimited amount of authority, but a lot of authority to serve us in leadership. And there is accountability for that. But once we've elected them, we ask them to lead us because we believe they are God's person for this hour. And that is so true in our hearts for you, sir, and for the future that is ahead of us. And so in the Wesleyan Church, we have, we have three lights on the dashboard of decision when it comes to pastoral transitions. We have... We have the light in the heart of the incoming pastor. We have the light in the heart of the congregation, first through the board and then through a congregational vote. We have the light in the heart of the district and its perspective. And all three of those lights have to turn green before we have a day like today where we officially bookend a transition and we install a pastor. And you folks have been through an incredible season of transition absolutely incredible. And I want to thank each one of you for your support of the board and your support of the pastoral staff. I know they're not present, but I want to thank again uh, Pastor John Simons and Pastor Tim Guptill uh, for their excellence in leadership as interim pastors over this extended period of time. And um, uh, this is a great day to know that God has led us here. Amen. Amen. And so, dear friends, we are assembled before God to install Reverend John Sherwood, who has answered your call to become pastor of Cross Point Church and whose installation has been duly authorized by the Atlantic District of the Wesleyan Church. Dear fellow minister, the duties of your holy office are clearly set forth in the word of God. As an ambassador of our Lord Jesus Christ, you are first of all to preach both law and gospel as they are comprehended in the Holy Scriptures and defined in the discipline of the Wesleyan Church. 
This you are to do without the addition of private opinion. As the apostle admonishes, if anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. Whatever is contrary to sound doctrine shall be refuted with all restraint. As the scripture warns, the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct. Those who are committed to your pastoral care are to be diligently admonished to walk in the commandments of the Lord blamelessly. The erring are to be warned with the fidelity which the word of the Lord demands of faithful pastors. As the prophet Ezekiel was instructed, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. You are also to be the steward of the holy sacraments which you are to administer to the comfort of troubled souls. In view of the Savior's gracious words, let the little children come to me. The children and youth of the church must, in a special sense, be the object of your pastoral instruction and care. The measure of faithfulness with which you seek those who stray is set forth in the Holy Scriptures, in the words of the Apostle Paul, who said, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. The example of holy men and women of God will impel you to pray diligently for your people and to be a pattern unto them in faith and good works. Do you therefore earnestly purpose to diligently fulfill these duties and thus be able in this life to answer before the Wesleyan Church, the Church Universal, and in the life to come to give an account before the judgment seat of Christ? If so, you may respond by saying, yes, I do so purpose by the help of God. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. I now ask the congregation to stand, please. And now, dear friends, I admonish you to receive as your pastor, Reverend John Sherwood, whom God has given you. Accept the word of God as preached by his messenger to you, whether it be for your comfort, your admonition, or your instruction, even as Christ has said, consider carefully how you will listen. Use all diligence that your children receive instruction in the Christian faith and are present with you in the services at God's house. In accordance with the counsel of the Apostle Paul to Christian parents to bring children up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Pray for your pastor that the ministry offered in this place may tend to the salvation of many souls and that through sacrificial labors you together with your pastors may be saved. Honor and esteem the ones who are to minister to your souls as the Apostle Paul exhorts. Respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. Do you now, as becomes a Christian church, accept these obligations? If so, you may respond with one voice, yes, by the help of God. Sounds like they meant it.
<laughs> I think they're with you. I was in a church not too long ago, and uh, the, uh, the pastor about to be installed said, I've been downloading my software for six weeks, and the DS is now here to install me. And uh, um, boy, this software's been downloading for a long time. <laughs> we had a really slow connection. <laughs> it was dial-up. Uh, but uh, John, you are an incredible man of character and we have watched you grow over 13 years in connection with this church we have watched you marry an incredible helpmate in life and love and ministry and uh, you would not have been ready for this day three years ago or two years ago or one year ago God has been preparing you right under our noses and developing you in who you need to be as his man for this next chapter and season ahead. And we thank God for his timing, and we thank God for you. Upon these, your solemn mutual promises, I now install you, Reverend John Sherwood, as pastor of Cross Point Church, in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The Lord bless you that you may bring forth much fruit and that your fruit may remain. Would you welcome your new pastor? Congratulations, man. Now, <laughs> amen. Yes, you hear that? You hear that? Oh, God is good. Amen. I, I, feel, I feel the spirit of Pierre coming upon me. I was going to pray that God would give you the spiritual gift of Mike Millar's so you could grow some hair, but uh, no, I just, just kidding. Yeah, just miracles. Miracles still happen today. Well, listen, folks, I'm going to invite all of you who are board members uh, to come forward, if you would. And look, I'm going to say, if you were a board member in the last three years, would you just come forward? Come forward. And uh, we're going to, if you just want to step forward a little bit here to the, to the front of the stage, and we're going to gather around you. And um, if you would, come on up, folks. Come on up. We're going to gather around behind, and we're going to lay hands on you on behalf of the church and, uh, and if you feel so inclined and you want to extend your hand uh, towards your new pastor as we pray for him right now, uh, I would invite you to do that as we conclude our service. And when I say amen, you are dismissed. And uh, we are so grateful for the wonderful, wonderful ways that God has provided for us. Father in heaven, this is a mighty day in your kingdom. This is an incredible day for us as a Crosspoint family. And Lord, one of the main reasons that we celebrate today is because, is because in this next chapter, there will be people who will come to know you and experience transformation and be baptized uh, by this pastor and his team, by this church and this family who do not yet know you, 
who are on a desolate road of their own life experience, seeking answers to questions and not being satisfied. And we know, Jesus, that you are the answer, that you can provide what everyone needs and longs for in their own hearts and soul, Lord, that, that we can come to you and experience the forgiveness of our sins and the transformation of our, our spirits into new creatures, and that you can fill us with your Holy Spirit to walk with you and to abide in the vine and to love purely. And Father, I just pray for John as he takes the mantle today in a very special and symbolic way but in a way that literally places your mantle of spiritual authority on him as a kingdom under-shepherd for this church. We pray in Jesus' mighty name that you would fill this man with your Holy Spirit, that you would bless he and Kelsey in their marriage, that you would bless the leadership that he provides for his pastoral team, for the, for the board, for the church family, and for all the ministries as we seek to focus not inside the walls of the church but outside the walls of the church to continue making the name of Jesus famous in this city because we know when we lift up your name that you draw others unto yourself. And so, Father, we ask that you will give this man what he needs to be our leader for this season. And one day, Lord, whether it's across this parking lot or some other place, should you tarry, not one of us will be here. We will be in a place that represents a great cloud of witnesses. And what a great cloud this church has. Oh, the names. The names that are filling our hearts right now. The shoulders upon which we stand today. Lord, may we be worthy of their sacrifices, but most of all, may we be worthy of the calling that we have received from you to be your agents, your ambassadors of reconciliation for this day. And so we commit afresh to it, Lord. Let us be modern-day Phillips. Let us be attentive as we abide in you. Let us be available to go to the desolate places in people's lives. Father, thank you for this new thing you are doing today and for the bright future we have ahead. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Amen. You are dismissed.